With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the AwesomeBook.com NBA Strategy Show presented by Superdraft. I'm Dave Lochran. With me, Sal Vetri, and, well, we're down to two games. Such a shame. It means things are beginning to wind down here, but we still got plenty of monster prize pools across the industry. Still tossing out 100K to first on FanDuel, on DraftKings. Superdraft has some great contests going on today as well. Sal, you were a little bit sick, feeling better, looking good, man, ready to rock? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm ready to go. Two games. Let's grind it out. All right. There might only be two games, but, man, there's a, there's a whole lot to get into today for sure, from Luka Doncic to Paul George to the complete and utter collapse of the Denver Nuggets defense. We've got a lot to, to rap about here, so to speak, but before we do – Want to talk about Super Draft. If you haven't checked it out yet, there's no better time to do it than now, especially with uh, the NFL season rapidly approaching and, well, some legitimately attainable prizes, first place prizes over at Super Draft. You're not doing 100,000 the first. You're not doing, you know, 50,000 the first. But what there is, is a lot smaller fields and a real shot to win good money, to build your bankroll and, and to put yourself on the right track, especially you've been struggling on struggling on DraftKings, struggling on FanDuel. Take take a break. Give yourself a brief respite from that and, and check out SuperDraft. There's nothing to lose, especially considering that you get $10 in free SuperCash straight into your account when you sign up using the promo code AWESOMEO10, A-W-E-S-E-M-O-1-0, all one word. When you deposit $10 or more or put in $100 or more to start, you'll get $20 free in super cash to start. So a, a nice little incentive to hop in over there. There's no salaries. It's all multipliers. But the good thing is it's not a system. It's not a format that is going to be difficult for you to learn or to understand. Right. You're not going to you're not going to have to re recalibrate your entire game because Whereas Luca would be maybe twelve thousand on DraftKings, he has a one x multiplier on Fanduel. Or uh, sorry, on SuperDraft. Meaning, if he scores seventy, he gets seventy. However, Paul George, who has really been struggling, uh, if he has a one point four multiplier, so he gets forty percent more fantasy points than he actually scores on a day like this. Donovan Mitchell at one point four five. So uh, there's a lot of really good ones and and some good great value that I'm looking at today. It's just you know. You have to think about value in terms of multipliers instead of salaries. There's three guards, three forwards, and a center. Uh, it download it on the App Store, in the App Store, sorry. You have an iPhone. You have uh, a smart any type of smartphone. You're good to go there. Or check it out online at superdraft.io. Uh, no salaries, all multipliers. Legitimate, possi- uh, legitimate chances to win good money over here. $12 entry today, $1,500 up top in the $7,500 jump shot. Only 22 multi-entry, and you get 10 free dollars when you deposit 10, or 20 free dollars when you deposit 100. Simply by using that promo code AwesomeO10. Once again, A W E S E M O one zero, all one word. Superdraft, Superdraft.io, or download it in the App Store. All right, Sal. So we'll kick it off with Utah and Denver. Happy to have everyone with us as always, but you already know that. And hit that thumbs up as you walk in the door. It helps us greatly. So. The Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets series has been a wild one. It's been fun to watch. 
There have been some monster blowouts. There's been a lot of close games. Game one went to overtime. But the thing that is most startling to me is the Denver Nuggets have a, you ready for this? 131.1 defensive rating in this series. The Jazz are at 119.2, which is also bad, but 131.1 is worse than any team in the postseason. And these teams are playing at the slowest pace, only 93 possessions per 48. But defense has been such a struggle that even though they're playing at a sluggish pace, they're scoring so many points because literally nobody can stop anyone, namely uh, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think they said Mitchell was the first player ever to have 50 or more real points in a series, in a playoff series, not in the Wait, playoffs. But you know he never had a 50-point game in the regular season? Yeah, I remember seeing that in that overtime game when he had uh, – his career high, they said it was. But, yeah, it's, it's just nuts right now. Nobody can stop Mitchell. And, I mean, they are right now really hurting without Harrison, without Barton even being in the bubble. Harris is finally questionable today, but we haven't had any update on that right now. But, yeah, it's it's bad because you want to put Torrey Craig in there to get a little bit better of a defensive rating, but he gives you almost a zero on offense. You want to put Michael Porter Jr. in there for the offensive side, and they're just completely targeting Michael Porter Jr. Like, if you watch that last game, they had to take him off the court. So if you're looking at popcorn machine or just why he played only 23 minutes – they just had to every single time Mitchell was going down right to him and he had nothing isolated. To do yeah. Yeah. He, he has nothing on defense right now, which hopefully in the offseason he can improve because he's a good offensive player, at least right now. So yeah, Mitchell, th- there's really no stopping him. But when you're looking at DraftKings, they priced him up for that. He's the third most expensive guy now at $9,700 makes him a little bit more difficult to get to, but yeah, it's a, it's a big problem right now in Denver's defense. And it's the reason why they're probably going to lose the series. 39.1% usage for Donovan Mitchell in this series. Yeah. It's insane, man. 28.8% assist rate, too, which is incredible given the fact that he is shooting so much, almost a 40% usage rate. That's huge to know that he's he's uh, generating almost 30% assists. Uh, he's not going to rebound a lot, but you really don't need it in this case when he's producing 1.65 DraftKings points per minute. Uh, and you know damn well that the minutes themselves are going to be sky high. I mean, against Denver in in – Game three, I think it was, Sal. He only played 28 minutes, but his services weren't required. They blew them off the floor. Played 43 minutes in an overtime game in game one, 34 minutes in a blowout win in game two, and then 38 minutes in a two-point game last time out. Uh, you're probably if, if this game's competitive with Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz having an opportunity to win this series in five games, I wouldn't be shocked if Quinn Snyder gives him 40 minutes today. Now, I'm not saying you project him for that, and and his salary is is high, as you mentioned, so you're going to want to get as many minutes as possible. But I don't see any reason why projecting 38 minutes for Donovan Mitchell is out of the question. And given the two very competitive games that we've seen, I expect him to get 38, potentially more minutes tonight in game five. Yeah, I haven't projected right now for 38. At DraftKings at $9,700, he doesn't look like the greatest of plays because he's priced up. He's, he's pretty much right next to Kawhi for this slate, and I have Kawhi looking a good amount better, but that doesn't mean he's completely out of play. I expect the ownership hopefully would drop on him at that point, but on Superdraft, he's my number one play right now. He's still at a 1.45x multiplier, so it's almost as if he hasn't done anything in this series. It's been the same multiplier, so he looks fantastic there. DraftKings, he's still in a player pool for me. I mean, you kind of have to have anybody who has upside on a two-game slate in there, but he's not going to be one of the guys that really stands out like he has been because he's priced up now to 9700 what about 8,500 on FanDuel where Luke is also shooting guard eligible. Paul George is shooting guard eligible. Obviously, there's no multi-position eligibility. Uh, and then it, it, it pretty much falls off a cliff to some extent after that. Like you have Jordan Clarkson and, and Lou Williams, but it, it, does it make sense to, to try and find a way to get Luca and Mitchell or, or Mitchell and Paul George into lineups today? I, I think those top three guys are, are clearly the most favorable and, you know, you, you you look at this, and we'll get to Paul George momentarily, talk about his immense struggles. But him and Donovan Mitchell, uh, Paul George is priced to his struggles at 7500 But Mitchell at 8500 that's still not very expensive given what we've seen from him, and and not just the, produ- the production, but also the usage and the playing time. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think over there, I mean, since you've had Mike Conley come back, it's gone down a little bit, but no Boyan, and he's just taking over this entire offense, and if the game stays close, you're going to get those big minutes. I think they're just because of the positionality, just percentages wise. Yeah, I would end up getting a lot more. Um, I would say that I still prefer Mitchell to Paul George on there, even even given the price discount. But then it just comes into uh, how much does it actually fit together? Because I assume majority of people are going to try and get Luke into those lineups. What are we thinking on the rest of the Utah Jazz here? When you, know, you start looking at 
at the minutes that we've seen in this series. It started on, I think, the 17th through the 25th. So I'm not including, I'm not including the rest of the bubble here, especially given how bad Denver's struggles have been. I don't mind kind of isolating this. Mike Conley has played 56 minutes and I think what two games he's played, right? Yeah, two games he's played 56 minutes, 32 in the second one, 25 in the first. He would have played another 32 there if it was competitive. He's producing a very solid 1.42 fantasy points per minute, and his usage rate currently sits uh, at 25%, with an assist rate also coming in at a respectable 24%. Do we have any interest in Mike Conley today at 6,700 against, once again, a Denver team who's I – I cannot express enough how bad their def- defensive rating has been, how bad their defense has been. 131 points per 100 possessions, Sal, is some of the worst you'll ever see, no matter what team you are. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I have interest in Conley right now. Like, if you just look at, in general, when there's no Bowie on during the regular season, Conley does see a bump. And if you just expect Mitchell to not keep doing what he's doing and average uh, Luka numbers right now, 1.65 fantasy points per minute in this series, if that comes down at all a little bit, it's going to siphon off just naturally to maybe some Jordan Clarkson, but also right to Mike Conley. I think he's priced appropriately for just his normal role on this team, but he's been averaging like 1.4 fantasy points in the two games that he's played. And that can only get higher. The usage rate is fine at 25%. So yeah, I actually like Mike Conley in that range. I think he might be one of the players that it's hard on a two game slate for people to go overlooked, but I think he might be there just because he seems like he's appropriately priced similar price range at Lou Williams, exact same price. I think people go there more. Is there anyone else you get to here? Paul, uh, Jordan Clarkson played about almost 28 minutes last time out. Jingles got 34 minutes off the bench. Royce O'Neal is pretty much a, an empty vessel when it comes to fantasy production, but he did play a, a huge amount of minutes. Defensively, they like him. And the truth is, with, with Royce O'Neal, and trust me, I'm, I'm not promoting him whatsoever, but I think you'd agree, Quinn Snyder has been in a, a very fortunate position where he can play Royce O'Neal for 35, 37 minutes and not have to worry about it because of what guys like Donovan Mitchell are doing and, and what uh, Rudy Gobert is doing around the basket. You could just use o- O'Neal strictly for his defense. Exactly. And that's, ex- that's what's happening right now. He's like a 0.6 fantasy point per minute producer. He looks, if you're just looking for guys below $5,000 that look okay, he's one of them, but we'll talk about another guy in this slate who's same exact price that I assume gets all the ownership. So yeah, he's a guy that I'll, I'll get some of nothing crazy, but then I do think that uh, Rudy Gobert is somebody I'll look at. He's not playing great in this series. It's just that he's getting more minutes. So if you give him 36 to 38 minutes, it's going to add up even if he's not averaging his normal 1.1 fantasy points per minute. I In this series, he's been below one. It still makes him look pretty good at a fair price point of 7,600. It just comes down to what do you want to do at center today when you have Jokic, you have potentially some value options on the slate on DraftKings. But I think Gobert is a, is a fine option. He's the guy that I like at least right now the most from this team. And yeah, Joe Ingles is going to be hard to get to. The second Mike Conley came back, he lost any ball handling responsibilities that he had for like an extra 10 to 12 minutes a game when he wasn't on the court with Mitchell or even if he was. And now he just drops a ton in fantasy point production with Conley out there. Yeah. You know, you talk about like our boom bust tools and stuff like that. Somebody like Royce O'Neal is not even going to register. That's that's the type of player he is. They, They don't need anything from him and, and that's fine. Like you said, yeah, I'll be in the player pool, but really not exciting. Is there anybody else from Utah? I think we've, we've covered most of this, but I want to make sure on a two-game slate that we're not, you know, we're leaving no stone unturned here. Yeah, I think that's it. I think I think Gobert's the guy that I like the most. I think that Ingles' price point is fair, but I just see that the usage dropped when Conley's came back, and that's what we get normally from the year so far. So I would say that Gobert, Conley – and then probably Mitchell in that order of my priorities, and I'll have some Royce O'Neal just because there's not a lot of options below that price point. So if we flip it to the other side here with the Denver Nuggets, Will Barton remains out. You mentioned Gary Harris is questionable. We'll see We'll see what happens in this game. They, they probably could use Gary Harris here, someone that defensively can stand up a bit but can also knock down threes. Uh, he, he's a slightly erratic player, but they could. they really could require his services right now. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. Offensively, the guy's been spectacular. He's rebounded well, but he is such a defensive liability that he's getting eaten alive. Uh, they just they they isolate him and and they go to work. I think they did it on four or five straight possessions last game before Michael Malone was like, "Get him out! I can't do like I can't right. I can't allow this to continue." 
Uh, it's been an absolute disaster. Guys are getting to the rim with ease. But I'll start with, with Nikola Jokic here. It's kind of weird numbers if you look at some of the NBA uh, stats data. Only nine potential assists per game in this series, which is well under his average. Jamal Murray sitting at 13. Monty Morris at 8.3. So Jokic has, has been down in that category. But his rebound chances are at 15, pretty much around his league average. He leads the league, though, of all playoff teams in touches per game at 104.3 since the start of the postseason. So it's not like Nikola Jokic is, is getting, you know, getting shifted out of, of, of the game with the way that D, uh, Utah is playing him. No, that, that hasn't been the case at all. He's just not been wildly productive in terms of being able to rack up big peripherals across the board. Uh, it's not that he's been bad, but is Nikola Jokic set for a rebound here? Should we be worried about Gobert? And where do we stand on his price point at $9,400 on DraftKings? And $9,200 on FanDuel. I will say he's not overpriced per se. Yeah, I, I think that there, there's something to be said about just what you were talking about for his assists going down a little bit in this and just potential assists. Like the assist percentage is still there to an extent, not to the extent that we're used to, but they're pretty, at least from what I've seen, they're pretty actively keeping him in the paint more if it's Donovan Mitchell's drives, if it's just to have more bodies there, where we're known to see Jokic gravitate towards the three-point line. He could pick up assists there from guys cutting back doors. So that is something to note that he's probably going to stay in the paint more and that probably continues. But I think it's reflected in the price point. Like $9,400, I expect Jokic to be picking up a decent amount of ownership today. And if not, then I'm, I'm just going to get to it. Like I would say around 50% ownership on a two-game slate. But yeah, he's been like a, a 1.25 guy in this series. He's normally like a 1.3, 1.35 guy. So uh, fantasy point per minute wise. So I'm going to be getting there. And the, the minutes are the big. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. They're down 3-1. I expect them to just run out the same lineup they did last time with Michael Porter Jr. coming off the bench. Grant and Millsap both starting together. And they gave Murray and Jokic 40 plus minutes apiece. I'm not projecting them at 40, but I have them at like 38. And I want to put them to 39 right now uh, just because I don't see them putting out there whether it's P.J. Dozier saw no run in the last game. Mason Plumley they pulled back a ton to give Jokic more minutes. So if you get like a 40-minute game out of Jokic again at this price point, it's going to be hard for it not to pay it off. Who do you think wins this game? Because right now you're talking about a desperate Denver Nuggets team. A absolutely desperate. I, I tweeted the other day, Sal, might have yeah, two days ago, that I know the Sixers were without Ben Simmons. And I know Will Barton and Gary Harris have been missing from this Denver Nuggets squad, but Boyan Bogdanovich is missing from Utah, and he had played a massive role as a 40-plus percent three-point shooter on the season. I thought they would struggle. The Denver Nuggets and Philadelphia 76ers have easily been the two most disappointing teams inside the bubble, and I'm not factoring in teams like Brooklyn getting swept or Washington losing all but one game. That was The, the expectations were already extremely low on them. The Jazz are three-point favorites here. Denver's plus 120 on the money line. Is this a spot where you think they pull out a second game, a second win here and push this to six? Because I can't help but think it has to be. There's too much talent on this team to drop four straight games to the six-seeded Jazz. Yeah, I mean, I feel free I to think disagree, that... by the way. I'm just I'd love to get your opinion on this. Yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope it goes six games. I, I think that the Jazz are gonna win this one just. And mainly it's just because of the defense and what you're seeing. Like uh, the way that you correct this is just keep more people in the paint against Mitchell or hope, or hope he doesn't shoot as well. That's what they were doing in like games, probably one and two, they were giving Mitchell the elbow jumpers and he was nailing them. That's what he's been doing the whole series. So then when you have to come up on that and he can blow by you, cause he's probably by far the quickest on his team and quicker than everybody, since there's no Gary Harris out there or uh, Will Barton on defense, he's getting to the basket now. And now you're for forced to keep Jokic in there. That ruins more options at the three point line and spacing for Denver. So I haven't seen anything that's going to say that this stays closer. Like the last game looks like it was, it, it was close and Denver goes on like a 17 to seven run late to make it kind of, you know, seem somewhat close, but really they, they were down by like 15 coming into the fourth quarter. So yeah, I'm going to say that Utah wins this thing. It's just Denver's defense. If they go out and they give Murray and, and Jokic 42 minutes today, they go with the same unit that they had last time. Maybe Monty Morris has actually been pretty good. He might actually start picking up a little bit more minutes 
Uh, he played some more in the mid-20s in the last game. Maybe they pull one out here, but I don't even think that last game was as close as the final score indicates. I'm going to go with Utah to just finish out the series at this point. They're just decimated right now for their defense, Jokic or Denver. Okay, so the from, from 25-plus feet out, the uh, the Utah Jazz are shooting 44.6%. That is such an insane number. For almost close to 50% shooting from 25 plus. I, I'm I, I'm shocked by this. And it, it, it's definitely scary. The the one the one counter argument I would make to this is I don't think it's entirely sustainable. I know that Denver's defense, and I've said it a million times already, has played really poorly. I think they will make at least some adjustments. Uh, they have to do something. Now, can they? Yeah, I think probably by getting Porter off the court for as much time as possible is going to benefit you. If Gary Harris plays, I think it makes a big difference. Many people might not and think it does, but I think Gary Harris coming in and potentially playing even 27, 28 minutes would be huge. 45-plus percent shooting from that range is, is absurd, and, and I'm not necessarily sure that there's, there's a way that that continues, at least not for four straight games. But that we will find out. Uh, I'm going Denver here. I'm going to back the Nuggets in this game to at least cover and keep this really close. But, but I think they push it to a game six. Uh, there's too many talented bodies on this team for it not to happen, and that defense is so bad that I'm not sure it can continue at that clip. But let's stick with DFS here with uh, Monty Morris. Like I said, 8.3 potential assists per game in this series. He played 36 minutes last game, Sal. Didn't really produce much. And it's pretty important that, that we factor in the more he plays with the starters, the lower his usage and permanent production is going to be. But he is cheap. He is definitely getting ownership right now, projected for the highest ownership of any player on this slate. Uh, and it might come down to to Michael uh, Malone playing him more minutes. We'll also have to wait and check and see on Gary Harris's status leading up to 630 lock. Yeah, I, I, so you didn't get any P.J. Dozier, so it seems like a lot of those minutes just kind of slid on to Monty Morris. And then if you're just also looking at it, Monty Morris also gets into the starting rotation. So we're going to have to kind of see just what happens with the minutes here. He's $4,000, so there's not a lot of options. I haven't projected for like 21 fantasy points, so it looks decent, but – not if he's going to be the highest home player on the slate, at least not at this clip. Um, yeah, if you're playing cash, it's fine, but I'm probably not going to have much if he's going to be 60% owned. If he's starting again, it does look okay, $4,000, but I think there is other options. The risky part becomes, though, those other options are kind of tied to Christoph Porzingis' health, uh, at least at the position, to try and get you the 4K value. There's really nothing in the 3K range. A couple of guys may be worth mentioning, but yeah, I'm a little bit hesitant to want to at least match the field or, or it's even tough to get over the field at 60% unless you're just going to full out go 100%. And my projection right now just isn't good enough for me to want to do that. One thought as to why P.J. Dozier may not have gotten many minutes. He has an 89 offensive rating and a 134 defensive rating in three games. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely the answer. That is disastrous. Absolutely disastrous. Shooting 26.7% from the field as well. Those are brutal numbers. Talk to me about Jamal Murray. He went um, – look, he went shot for shot with Donovan Mitchell last game. Credit Murray with a monster performance, 50 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, just a huge overall outing, 58% from the field. He shot 60% from three on 19 attempts and five for five from the charity stripe. It was a monster, monster game on all fronts, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. You're getting him at $8,000. Um, on DraftKings. You're getting him at 7,800 on FanDuel. He played 43 minutes in that, so it would have been uh, 38 minutes in regulation. And then over on SuperDraft, Jamal Murray's a one and a half, 1.5 multiplier. Your thoughts? Yeah, I like him a lot, especially where he's coming in. I mean, on all on all formats, I like him on DraftKings right now, especially where he's coming in ownership-wise. There's only two guys in the 8K range. It's Paul George and it's Jamal Murray, and it seems like all the ownership is going to Paul George. I mean, for a good reason, but there's actually things to be said, and we'll get to it, about how he's been playing right now and potentially it carrying over. But yeah, if Murray's not going to be owned and, and close to single-digit ownership on a two-game slate is crazy, the price point isn't out of this world. It's $8,000, and I'm projecting him for 38 minutes, but he played 43 in the last one. If this game is close down the stretch in a game where they can go home if they lose, I expect him to probably push towards 40-plus minutes again. So it looks good. He's averaging 1.4 fantasy points per minute 
in this series. He's been doing everything for them usage rate wise. He's getting the benefit um, when it comes to just the defensive side of the ball and running in transition of being the primary guy out there. And it's tough to see where his minutes like go down outside of injury or foul trouble. If anything, if like Torrey Craig sees more minutes today after just seeing 18 in the last game, I think they're coming off of Monty Morris. They're not coming off of Jamal Murray. So it's really tough to see this guy not getting to 36. It's like a floor number if everything stays fine foul trouble wise uh, and health wise. But yeah, at around like a 1.1 fantasy point per minute projection today, I am looking like pretty close to Paul George. I still have Paul George for like a point and a half more. But if there's going to be like a 40 percent ownership difference, I expect to get uh, Maul Murray than the field. I think so, too. Ultimately, even if Denver loses this game, they're going to go all out. Like you, you, you have to throw caution to the wind. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Jamal Murray plays 42 minutes in regulation. Again, I'm not projecting yeah. him for that, but I do think we need to, to, to factor that they're in, these are dire, this is a dire situation for, for the Denver Nuggets. And you know what? For Michael Malone, too, I'm not saying he gets canned. I don't think that would be the case, Sal, although I'm not as familiar with the, the situation and how tenuous it is in, in Denver. But uh, you you can't go up against the six-seed Utah Jazz after having a great season as the Denver Nuggets. They were close to the two-seed. Don't forget, like, they were not far out from the L.A. Clippers heading into this restart. If if, if you lose in, in five games and lose four consecutive games after winning in overtime in game one, it looks really bad. So – I'm I'm definitely considering all of that when looking at at who I'm going to play tonight and and who might get a little bit of an extra boost just knowing that hey this game stays competitive now you're getting probably as many minutes as humanly possible for guys like Murray and guys like Jokic outside of them however what do we think of the rest of this team so Monte Morris like we said we already touched on him 36 minutes you and I are on the same page there. If he's going to come in at close to 60% ownership, that's ugly. Maybe Gary Harris's status changes that ownership, but for now, that's where it stands. Paul Millsap played 35 minutes last game. He's been you know, a, a shell of his old self for the most part. Was decent last time out, a fantasy point per minute. But aside from that, uh, his playing time has been erratic, and he's at $5,000 on DraftKings. Then uh, Jeremy Grant got 36 minutes. Jokic's almost 40, Murray 40. Uh, and by the way, this was, I think I said overtime, not an overtime game. Murray played 43 minutes in regulation. So uh, those starters all played a ton. The only guy to get any run off the bench really outside of 18 for Craig was was Michael Porter. So we know that these starters are going to play a shit ton of minutes tonight, uh, pretty much whoever's in there. Yeah, and I think that Jeremy Grant's going to look really good. He's been terrible in the series. Been a .55 fantasy point premier producer single digit assist and rebounding rate, not much usage on him, but you're just playing the minutes there at $4,700. If he's going to start again, I would expect pretty big minutes. I have him at 33 minutes today. could easily get 35 again. Same exact pretty much analysis for Paul Millsap. They both grade out for like 25 fantasy points for me today. Grant's just $300 cheaper, so it'll look a little bit better. Um, yeah, those guys are all in play. I think Denver is a team that in general, their entire starting rotation is going to look good just because of where they're all priced. They're all underpriced outside of Jamal Murray. And I think he's even fairly priced, especially when you factor in the ownership. I wouldn't completely throw in the towel on Michael Porter Jr. yet either, 5,700. They have to give him more minutes, like 23, even though they're they're ISOing him and it's bad. He is such a big offensive piece for them, even if Gary Harris is in. Gary Harris is not an offensive weapon by any means. So you're coming out here and you're showing Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. They can only do so much, and that's why they've only won one game. So I don't think Porter Jr. gets any huge minutes, but I gave him 27 today, four more than he had last time. And he starts to look decent, and I expect some people to start to uh, gravitate away gravitate away from him based on what he did last game. Okay. Yeah, Jeremy Grant is a whole lot better in, in, in games that aren't played at such a crawling pace. Like, I know Denver plays slow, but Jeremy Grant's the one guy on this team that's capable of running, that's flying around the rim, uh, being able to get lobs and, and easy opportunities and, and when, you're, when you're breaking plays out. And – and that hasn't been the case with Utah. They've really done a good job of slowing them down. But if he's going to get the minutes, uh, I'm with you there. Sub 5K is pretty interesting. Would you prefer Millsap at 5K or Jeremy Grant at 4,700? Right now it's going to be Jeremy Grant, but I'm trying to see what the ownership is. Um, yeah, it'll probably be Jeremy Grant. Eh, you know what? The ownership's pretty decent on it. Um, right now I'll still stay Jeremy Grant just slightly. And then it's worth mentioning that Torrey Craig is, is like still on this team. He'll probably play like 25 minutes. 
maybe maybe he gets his minutes back bumped back up if they didn't like what they saw last time at Monte Morris, although he provides some more offense. So he's very cheap. He's probably the only guy, Torrey Craig, maybe on this slate that in the 3K range at least looks appealing because you can kind of count on 20, 20 plus minutes out of him. Want to move on to game two? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. By the way, we uh, might only be two games, but we're going to keep pumping the content out here, and that includes live before lock. So stick around for that coming up later in the day. Adam Share will be with me, and we'll break this one down. It's going to be a, a later live before lock with the 6.30 start, so 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Tune in for that. We've got the MLB Strategy Show coming up at 11 a.m. as well. PJ Strategy Show with Ben Rasa, Timothy Frank uh, coming up today. So there's a lot coming down the pike, including MLB Live before lock with Jason Floyd and awesome himself, Alex Baker, then the MLB Early Birds. So uh, all day long, we got shows here right at all. YouTube.com slash awesome. Dallas Mavericks, LA Clippers tied up at two. Game four was, was a phenomenal viewing experience for anyone out there. Uh, and it was a great one for anyone that was 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 leaning on Dallas or had Luka Doncic at lower ownership based on the fact that his status was in question and then the potential of him being limited. Tell you what, Sal, uh, he wasn't limited, but you could tell he was hurting when he was not running. When he was not on the floor, he was pacing. He was he was he was cringing, wincing. But there he was, and he was as good as you could get. Now in 185 minutes. Uh, without Porzingis in the bubble. He has a 36.5% usage rate, 46.5% assist rate, 18% rebounds, and 1.79 fantasy points per minute. Porzingis is a game-time decision. In 204 minutes with Porzingis, his usage is still 35.5%. His assist rate shoots to 52%. He rebounds at a 13% clip and turns out 1.64 fantasy points per minute. So, yes, without Porzingis, Doncic is more productive but he's still an absolute beast with him on the floor. We'll start with Doncic, we'll, and, and we can talk about the implications here with or without Porzingis being active tonight. Yeah, Luca. I mean, right now he is – it's going to depend on what happens with Porzingis, but right now he's pretty much my top play on the slate. Um, even if I give him just the production with uh, Christoph on, he looks like my top play on the slate. So if, if he goes off, it's going to look really good. He, I have him for about 63, 63.7 fantasy points at – $11,000. You know what you're getting out of him. I gave him 38 minutes and then everything just siphons off after that. I mean, the guy right now in this series has a 27% rebounding rate. That got helped last game when there's no Porzingis out there, but just crazy to go along with just team leading assists and, and point per minute production usage, all that. So he looks fantastic. The thing that happens, yeah, like you mentioned, he gets a little bit better. He goes from like a 1.7 to almost a 1.8 guy with Porzingis off the court. It's harder to get a lot better, but it gets better. So yeah, either way, I'm going to get like a lot of Dantage today. He's coming in with similar ownership to Kawhi right now. So in that in that way, I'm going to prefer Luca to Kawhi unless you want to try and squeeze both in to be tough to do. But if Kristaps is in, I think Kristaps is fine today. Um, I'm okay playing both of them on a two-game slate. There's not a lot of options. So if he's in, I'll have him. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Like 46 fantasy points, so it looks okay, but. I projected the whole thing with him out just because I kind of know what to expect if he's in and we have more of a sample. If he's out, Trey Burke is going to look really good because he's $4,500. He started the last game, played over 30 minutes. He shot very well and he has been. But even if you just give him baseline numbers, not really Trey Burke going off numbers, he looks like a, a top three, top four option on the slate. Maxi Kleber will also pop up into that conversation too as a value option. Yeah, Trey Burke, 22% usage, 0.98 fantasy points per minute. Uh, in the series, 23% usage with Porzingis off the floor in the bubble itself. Uh, also, last game, we, we have a pretty good idea of what Carlisle is going to do if Porzingis is out. Six Mavericks played 221 of the 265 available minutes. So, you know, there was no there was no mixing and matching. Usually Carlisle makes life difficult on us. That has not been the case here. It wasn't the case last time out. Maxi Kleba, Trey Burke, Luka Doncic, Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway played 34-plus uh, minutes, all of them. Don, uh, Doncic played 48, 
and uh, 46 minutes and 41 in regulation. All five of those guys closed the game out, and Seth Curry played 31 minutes off the bench. Outside of that, you got a couple minutes from J.J. Barea, a few from Justin Jackson. Uh, Boban Marjanovic got about 15, and, and Michael K. Gilchrist played 19. But uh, we know that six of these six players of the, I'd say, probably nine that get on the floor, Sal, are going to get the large majority of the workload. So, yeah, the, many of them aren't uh, wildly productive. Maxi Kleber, I think, defensively has been okay, but that doesn't get you fantasy points. He's getting a lot of minutes, but he's been very underproductive uh, from a DFS standpoint. Dorian Finney-Smith, we all know pretty much what we're getting from him. A bunch of minutes and, and hopefully 25 fantasy points to make you happy. But again, the minutes are going to be there for these guys in a pivotal game five where Dallas could actually take a 3-2 lead over the second seed Clippers. Yeah, exactly. And you touched on it, just the minutes that these guys are getting. Let's just talk about it. If Christoph was to miss this game, I think that you're going to have similar just overall productivity and, and at least game styles for Maxi Kleber and Dorian Finney-Smith when it comes to fantasy. And Maxi Kleber, like when Kristaps is out, he just picks up the rebounds. He's, like you said, not really an offensive weapon. He's probably the best player that they have to guard Kawhi, which sounds ridiculous, but it's probably true at this point. So I would say that Kleber looks interesting, but he's going to be four times as owned or close to it as Dorian Finney-Smith. I have Dorian Finney-Smith for like one and a half more fantasy points. So the price point is the reason Kleber's getting up there in ownership. But I do think that it's it's basically a coin flip at who scores more at this point. And that's with or without now Kristaps in. I think they have similar production levels. And if Kristaps is in, uh, I would think Kleber looks a little bit worse because of a rebounding rate sample. So yeah, Luca. either way, I'm going to have lots of, I'm surprised he's probably not projected for more ownership. I think if you wanted to play hundred percent Luca, you could and feel pretty decent about it. Um, and then it'll just depend on what happens with Kristoff. He's in, he's fine. Uh, Kleber, I'd probably pivot to Dorian Finney-Smith right now, just where ownership plays. And anybody else on this team only will start to become more attractive if Kristoff is out like a Seth Curry, because you can count on close to 30 minutes in the rotation like last game instead of mid-20s, 24, 25, where he, he's going to have to just shoot the lights out of the gym to really get you there at that point. Someone asked in chat, who does it hurt if Kristaps Porzingis is out? So, or Sorry, if Kristaps Porzingis plays, who does it hurt? Well, so I guess we could take a quick second here. You touched on it a little bit, but uh, last game Kristaps Porzingis played. He got 38 minutes. Hardaway got 38 Uh Luka Doncic played 29. That was the game he got injured. Dorian Finney-Smith played 31. Maxi played 35. Seth Curry played 30.8. So it, it it wasn't all that much different. The biggest factor here was Trey Burke, who played only 16 minutes. If, if Porzingis is out, they'll desperately need him to inject offense into this, this lineup because Dorian Finney-Smith might knock down some, some open threes. Maxi might get a you know knock down a shot here and there when he's wide open, but outside of that, you're going to need that. That's why Curry's been getting the minutes in Burke because a lot of the guys in the starting lineup with Porzingis out aren't going to provide that same uh, same offensive skill set that you need outside of probably Tim Hardaway and Luka Doncic. Aside from that, it, it gets kind of ugly. Trey Burke and Seth Curry off the bench are going to play. I'm sorry, Trey Burke, if he starts, is going to have to play a big role in trying to keep pace with a, a Clippers team that can knock down threes at will, especially when Paul George is actually hitting shots. Yeah, exactly. It, it's Trey Burke. Like He goes from somebody being on, like a 1A, 1B option today with Luka for me, if there's no Porzingis, to probably be somebody that I don't even want to own at the price point of $4,500 because then he's not going to start. You kind of feel skeptical if he'll even see 20 minutes or more at that point. Outside of that, though, yeah, it's like small rebounding rate stuff for Kleber. They actually gave minutes to Berea and Justin Jackson. They combined for over 10 minutes in the last game. So, like, exact minutes-wise, you got him from Trey Burke, and the rest were kind of just sprinkled onto guys who weren't in the rotation. Boban got to see about 16 minutes, but he's normally been playing about 8 to 10. So they kind of just gave the minutes everywhere else. They gave, like, 10 to 15 to um, Trey Burke at that point and then sprinkled the rest to a bunch of guys that don't really matter for fantasy. Anything else on Dallas? Um, no, that's probably it right now. I would say like, if you got Boban starting, I can't see them doing that in this series and in the playoffs, but then obviously play some Boban. Okay. Let's talk about the LA Clippers. Paul George has been, this is not hyperbole, Sal. Paul George has been historically bad. Like the worst in the bubble shooting wise. Yep. The worst in the bubble. 
I think it's of anyone attempt who's attempted more than 25 shots, which yeah. is not a lot. I, I, it's not a lot at all. It, it, check this out. <laughs> In his last three games, and we have this data, which, which you know, NBA stats are so expansive now. It's great and extensive. Paul George is shooting five of 22 on open shots, meaning that closest defender is four to six feet away. So it's an open shot in the act of shooting, right? Four of 15 from beyond the arc on open shots. On wide open shots, he's 0 for 9, including 0 for 8 from beyond the arc. That's his last three games. Sal, it's really hard to do that if you're a bad NBA player. Again, not hyperbole. It's really hard to do that if you're a bad NBA player because bad NBA players can still knock. Ben Simmons hits 15 threes in a row in practice when nobody's guarding him. Paul George has been dreadful, and it goes further than that. Like, he's 10 for 47 over his last three games. He's the first player since Bob Cousy in 1960 to shoot under 25% in three straight playoff games with at least – or with in three, not even three straight, in three with at least 10 field goal attempts per game. He's – it's really bad. And, you know, the funny thing is in game one, he was 10 of 22, decent shooting, with 27 points. The Clippers won that game by eight. It is no surprise to me that they've dropped two games to the Mavericks, one of them in which Kristaps Porzingis didn't play, and the other game they did win, Kristaps Porzingis got ejected. I I think the Clippers, sorry, won. Paul George needs to turn this around, or this this could legitimately go to seven. I think the Clippers' defense is good enough, and we saw this, even though they lost last game, to be fair, Doncic went into superhuman mode. The Clippers defense down the stretch in an overtime looked way better than the Dallas Mavericks. Paul George missed more shots. Luka Doncic went into hero mode and won that game. But the Clippers can lock down. They can't let Reggie Jackson get switched on to Luka, though. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's insane. Doc Rivers needs to make adjustments. Paul George needs to make shots. And they should win this game. They should win it handily, as a matter of fact, if they can do those two things. But it hasn't been easy for them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And like, it, it, I mean, it all comes down to it's a little bit more than Paul George, but that's a huge piece of it. I mean, if he's there, right? They're up like what twenty three or something in the, in yeah, the third quarter, second is, quarter. Yeah. yeah, it's and they're having a big struggle right now, also with their bigs. At least from what it seems, like you have Zubac played like six minutes in the second half. He probably should have played more, but they had they went to a little bit of small ball. Dallas just no Porzingis just made it easy to do that when Boban wasn't on the court. So that you kind of just get Zubac off the court, but he was playing well in the first half. And Harrell is just still out of shape from when he had to leave for personal matters. And like Luca is just dominating him. Like anytime he goes into the paint, it's 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 easy. Like Luca's not a great driver. He's not like known for being a, a fantastic finisher. And he's just dominating Montrezl Harrell right now. So he can't even get on the court. White boy basketball, man. Yeah, honestly, crazy. Um, he uh, he that that finish was just still nuts. He like what is, is gonna go out there and that 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 finish was just still nuts. It's it has to be a classic, right? Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, the whole situation – and by the way, so I don't mean to cut you off. The whole Montrez Harrell calling him a bitch-ass white boy uh, and then Luca doing that after the game, we all know that it had no impact on it. Like, Luka Doncic is just really, really, really good at good. basketball. But right. you, you know Twitter feeds on that type of stuff, no matter what direction it's going in, right? Like, Twitter – 100%. And, and the storylines, people love that shit. But really, it was just that Luka Doncic is one of the best basketball players already that we've ever seen. And it just so happened that Montrezl Harrell was in the uh, unfortunate position of having said something to him the very game before that. Yeah, I mean, Luka's literally, like, if you go back and just watch any of it, Luka's been working him, like, the entire series. So I don't think he cared too much about Exactly. That. Yeah, so, like, that that's the thing, though. Like, on, on that side of it, it's – so Paul George, for me – if anything, like I'm looking at ownership in this, like might sound crazy, but I think he's on their own. And it's crazy. Like it's, it's because of the recency bias. It's bad. He's not going to cut his minutes. Okay. Like he's going to continue. Like, out, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah. I cut out for a couple seconds. You're good now. Gotcha. Yeah. Like he's going to, Paul George is going to continue to play his minutes. I think if anything, he's probably under owned on this slate on a two game slate. He's been like 40% owned on four game slates. And now he's going to be cutting to like 45, 50% owned in projections early on right now. He's not going to lose minutes. They just they just can't at that point, especially just on the defensive side. He's going to play 38 to 40 minutes. And, yeah, we've just gone on a rant about how he's just been shooting the worst in the bubble. I don't expect that to continue to happen, especially if they move on. So at some point, it's going to turn around. It sucks because for the first, like, 
three games, four games in the series. He's burned a ton of our money and mine included, but it's hard to get away from him. He's been a 0.9 fantasy point per minute producer in the bubble. He's been basically Marcus Morris for them from a fantasy aspect. And I don't expect that to continue to happen. So yeah, if I give, even if I bump him down, like he's been 1.3 on the season, but that's so foggy with this team because Kawhi's out for so long, but let's just call him a 1.2 fantasy point per minute producer. He's been at 0.9. So 0.3 difference. Even if I split the difference on that, he looks like a top five play top 10 play in the slate. So yeah, he's, he's been pissing off a lot of people, but I think it's actually resulting in him only being, Maybe like 10 to 15% on their own. Dude, you can't keep shooting that worse on open shots. So bad. You can't do It's not like they're not getting separation. Clippers ball movement is spectacular, man. When they bring the ball up the court, whether it's in the fast break or even in the half court, the way that they get the ball around the perimeter, the way that they get defenses off their feet, they're getting open shots. The amount of corner threes they're getting that are wide open, even above the break, everything you see in many instances is wide open. If Paul George hits even – and by the way, hitting 15% of wide open shots – sorry, 50% of wide open shots should be – I don't know what the standard is, Sal, but for someone like Paul George, you got to hit – most of the, or at least a good amount of your wide open one of shot. Them. One right? of them. Right, exactly. One. Right. You can't miss all of them. And I, I think ultimately you're talking about a player that is too talented right. to, to, for this to happen. Even, even Chris Middleton, who's been j- disastrous. Did you see the impact, not to get off topic here, but it, it ties in a little bit. Did you see the impact it had on that game yesterday? The game was tied up. There were a million lead changes before the first and third quarter. Chris Middleton was sucking a fat one again with three points after three quarters. And then he rips off like five or six straight made field goals. And what happens? They go up by double digits. They win the game by 16. When you have somebody like Paul George or when you have somebody like um, like Chris Middleton struggling that much, all that's going to happen is that when they do turn it around, big things are going to happen. And maybe he can do that today. I think it's possible. If not, I'm still willing to take the chance. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I think there's actually just like some value in where he's at right now. He's, he's priced, like we said, next to Murray. I think Murray at lower ownership is also a good option, but there's no reason you can't get pieces of both or a lot of both of them at this point. There's no really other options around them. You have like Rudy Gobert at 7,600, but there's just nobody in that like mid upper tier range. So it's at least a nice spot to take advantage of. And you're probably going to have to when you're building lineups, but yeah, it, it gets to a point where you talked about Middleton. There was a point in really the entire series, but Tobias Harris not producing, but in game three, he shot half decent and he goes out there for fantasy and does really well. And they get pretty close to winning, but they don't win the game close as they were though. Uh, the Sixers, but yeah, it's a spot where I'm going to continue to go back to it at this point. If he was like 65% on 60, where I think he should be, I probably would move away from it. If it goes up, I will. But I, I'm fine going back to Paul George. And then something else to watch about Porzingis is um, I'm not sure if this directly correlates. It's maybe it's, it's at least shown last game from one game. It's a small sample. But uh, Zubak, he did not play in that second half much, six minutes. If Porzingis is out there more, I think they might match it with Zubak more. So if Zubak, if Porzingis plays, I like Zubak a lot more than I do right now. And I imagine people want to play Jokic. People want to play uh, Gobert. So he might actually come in a little bit on their own. What do you guys in chat think? Is this the day Paul George turns it around? Do we have no idea? Is he Deja too vu. good? What's that? Deja vu. I've been saying that for like the last two to three games. I know, man. Is he too good to continue these struggles? The, the issue always, Sal, and and this is this is pretty common knowledge is you can't you can't predict when a downturn or a hot streak begins or ends. You can try and you can try and catch it. You can try and ride that wave, but it doesn't always work. And in a spot where we think Paul George might be too uh, lower owned than he should be, I'm willing to I'm willing to try and jump on that. And, and and under the assumption that he doesn't, first of all, he doesn't need to be great. He he's he's seventy five hundred dollars on DraftKings, eighty two hundred or sorry on Fanduel, eighty two hundred dollars on DraftKings. Paul George doesn't need to be great. And even with this bad shooting, he's still giving you 33, 36 DraftKings points. Last game was brutal uh, and 45 minutes, just terrible. A decent game from Paul George probably lifts him north of 50 fantasy points. So the, the, the incentive is there to play him today. Yeah, exactly. And like in that range, if it holds right now, I will prefer Jamal Murray just because he's 
30% less, more 35% less owned, but I, I have no issues with Paul George. Like I have no issues with the ownership. It's, it's fair to under owned in my opinion right now. Uh, Brian Bradley says he's hurt. Do you want to play a hurt Paul George at 82? No, I don't, but there's nothing to suggest that he's actually hurt. Yeah, he had like after the first game it was I think he had like just a, a ton of ice on his like bad shoulder from last year and there was like people were just speculating that he might still be hurt but there's been nothing from the coaching staff or anything like that that's saying he's hurt. The spe- look, the shoulder injury last season really influenced his game. It was bad. It very much yeah. negatively impacted him. The problem is though, I. If, if there's no report on anything, if he's not injured, and by the way, he was asked about it, and he just said, I, I'm getting the open shots. They're just not falling. I'm just not hitting my – I'm just not in my rhythm. So if, if, I'm, if I'm fading and based on the assumption that he might be hurt or that, he, that, he, that he's not in, in good condition, I guess you can do that. I guess you can assume that, that that's the case. But that, the problem with that, Sal, is it's, it's – generally speaking, it's gotten – me into more trouble than than it's helped me. And yeah, Bill Bill said he missed four layups last game. That won't continue. I don't know if he missed four. You might be right. But I remember miss I remember watching him miss a couple layups. That's not a shoulder. That's just complete lack of confidence. So I don't know. It's a it's it's 100 percent the the toughest decision and the toughest thing to break down on this entire slate. I think that's for sure. Yeah, I, I think I think there is merit to thinking that he could be hurt, especially if you want to fade him, because we saw this exact same thing happen last year, and then it comes out that he was hurt. Um, so, like, I think there's merit. I don't know what to think about it, and I don't think I'm going to leverage it that way, at least right now. I'm not going to leverage it that way that that he is hurt. But, yeah, like, the one in overtime was just he gets to the basket. He has, like, two steps on the guy. It's a clear look at the basket for a layup, and he just breaks it. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. Ryan Bradley, you might be right. We'll see. Or Paul George goes off, and – Everything ends up being overblown, and he just had some really bad games. He could also be hurt and go off. <laughs> That's exactly – yeah, exactly. We've seen – now, Luka Doncic did it with a bad ankle. It's a little bit different than if it's a shoulder. But right. Luka's clearly hurt. Like, there's there's no doubt that Luka's not 100%. If you watch any of that, he's not 100%. Uh, he's not moving as well. But he still moves better than 99.9% of any player I've ever seen. So uh, – Crazy. His one pass when I think they went to commercial on it, like he he's driving to the left for a lamp and he dishes it out to yeah. I th- it might have been Seth Curry in the corner to the right, just like no look pass. Yeah, like on a line. Crazy. He's so fun to watch. It's really a it's a it's a thing of beauty. Let's talk about the rest of the Clippers. Patrick Beverly's doubtful to play. That's pretty much the the last piece of of injury news and the only relevant piece of injury news we've got here. I want to ask you about Lou Williams first. He's 6,400 on DraftKings. I, I think that's a pretty reasonable price point on FanDuel, shooting guard eligible. you got uh, Lou Williams at 6,200. And then at our sponsor, Superdraft, Lou Williams is 1.65. He's coming off a huge game last time. He, he was the reason that they, didn't, that they actually got it to overtime. Because outside of Kawhi Leonard, no one else but him and Lou Williams were doing anything. Lou shot 13 of 20. Uh, 36 points. And most of these were, were inside the arc. He got to the line nine times, knocked down eight of them, 50 uh, and a half DraftKings points. Is, is Lou Williams, should we expect him, especially with Beverly out, to get another 30-plus minute game here and be able to, to keep his usage somewhat up for, uh, as we've seen? Yeah, I have him right now at, at 29 minutes, so I, I think it looks fine. And yeah, I, he's it's not like directly correlated because they can both do well. They probably can't both do poorly unless it's a really bad game from the Clippers. But uh, Lou Williams is just benefiting from Paul George, just not taking as many shots and just not being productive right now. Like 20 shots for Lou Williams in a playoff game isn't going to really shock anybody. If it continues to happen, it it maybe is surprising. And it's probably an indicator that Paul George just isn't taking the shots, passing them up, whatever it might be. And then there's to an extent, like Pat Beverly is not a great offensive player, but he's probably better than what they have out of Shaman at this point. Um, Reggie Jackson has been, if anything, limited to taking shots. So, yeah, 29 minutes of Lou Williams. He's like a point-per-minute guy, uh, whether he's staggered with Kawhi or Paul George, rarely both of them so far this season. And in the series, he's been like 1.15. So I'm not going to put him all the way up there. But if you just put him somewhere in the middle, even towards his like per-season numbers at close to 30 minutes, he looks decent. He's coming in like lower owned or similar to lower ownership to Mike Conley. 
And they're the same exact price. They look, or yeah, he's three inch dollars less than Mike Conley. So they look very similar to me, but because of the price savings, I actually prefer Lou right now to Conley. Okay. Yeah. Lou Williams at 25%. Paul George at 54%. If you guys haven't checked out the ownership projections, it's such a great tool and best ownership projections out there. Awesome. himself, the number one ranked DFS player in the world. You might know him as Alex Baker, uh, co-founder of, of awesome.com. He created these. We don't just slap his name on him. He uses these uh, and they're fantastic. We just got the top or the, the boomer bus tool updated today as well. Luka Doncic with a 43.5% boom percentage. That's 13.5% higher than the next closest player. But Paul George is second with a 30.8% boom percentage and a 30.2% bust percentage as well, Sal. So these are the type of things that these tools are so beneficial for tournaments. Like you need this type of stuff for leverage, understanding which guys make the most sense that can give you those big ceiling games. They might hurt you, but... Uh, they have the ability to win you tournaments. We've also got the projections. Uh, and if you get the fantasy cruncher add on, all of that stuff is built right into it. So you go in there, you've got the projections and the ownership uh, already in there. You can build lineups, you can crunch lineups. You've got the lineup builder for single or three max entries uh, and so much more. Look, Alex is the best DFS player I've ever known. Uh, so being able to utilize these tools is is a huge advantage and we've got we, we've got subscriptions for the week from for the month for the year and if you wanted to do a single sport we got you on that too if you wanted to do all of our sports which we have all of these tools for for all of our sports like the top stack tool for baseball and hockey and 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 the top fighter tool for mma top driver tool for nascar uh esports everything football coming up Go to awesomeo.com slash join and check it out. And when you do scroll to the bottom, you'll see tutorial videos on all of our most popular tools, uh, all of our best tools. You'll see how to use them, what you're getting into before you dive in head first. So uh, you don't just have to listen to me say it. You can check that out on the site and know what you're getting before you decide uh, or make a decision on whether or not you want to sign up. But if you do, head over to our premium Slack chat, say what's up. We'll be happy to show you around. We got a good bunch of people over there talking DFS, talking sports betting, you name it, all day long in Slack. So go to awesomeo.com slash join. Check it out. All of our tools, everything, Fantasy Cruncher, you name it, uh, make you a better DFS player for sure. Okay, let's round this out, Sal. L.A. Clippers, outside of George, outside of Lou Williams, what are we doing with Kawhi Leonard, who you alluded to playing earlier over somebody like Donovan Mitchell. And what are we doing with the rest of this squad in a big, big game five? Yeah, Kawhi's going to be interesting because it, it it seems like you're going to have to pick Kawhi or Luka in your specific lineup. Like if you want to play both of them, you're only left with $4,800 for the rest of those spots in your in your spot, in your rotation. And if Kristoff's is in, I don't know where you're finding that much value. If he's out, like you can squeak by and just hope that you kind of get what you got last game. Maybe not 92 points out of Luka, but like a 60, 70 point game and Kawhi can come close to matching it. That's where you get paid off, but it seems really hard to get both. So I prefer Luca by a wide margin. So I actually think I might be under the field on Kawhi if they're going to come in at similar ownership right now, just because playing both of them seems really difficult with the way value is looking right now if Porzingis was to play. So yeah, I would say that I'm probably going to get the most of Paul George, decent amounts of Lou Williams. Um, depending on what happens with Porzingis, if he's ends up playing and he's in, then I think I'll actually like Zubak a little bit more. He's only $4,300. He would start to look like one of the better value options for me. I would expect him to play probably closer to 24 minutes in that game uh, instead of having sketchy minutes around 20. And I'm still just not going to be interested in Harold. I know that if you give him the minutes, like say 2022, he starts to look like a good option and his price continues to just sink at $4,100. But I'm just very reluctant to give him those minutes. Not only is he out of shape right now, um, which is fine because of having a personal matter that I think a lot of people will be in similar situations from it's that's one piece of it. But the other piece is just, he's getting worked whenever he's on the court, even if he probably was in shape. So it's tough. Like it's, he's a liability out there. Similar to, the, yeah, not, not the, maybe similar to like how Michael Porter jr. Is in the other game, like just having to get run off the court. That's what's happening when Harold's out there. So anytime Lucas on the court, Harold probably shouldn't be on the court and Lucas going to play like 38 minutes. So it's really tough for Harold to get a ton of minutes. I watched a couple drives where, Luka Doncic was about to get to the rim. He got around Kawhi Leonard, and somehow Kawhi Leonard got back out in front of him in one step to seal off the lane because there's no protection. There's no other help there. Right. Kawhi Leonard's doing a lot of it on his own. Montrezl Harrell has mightily struggled. Uh, and I'm not even just talking about fantasy points. I know you're not either. 
like you said, defensively, he has been a massive liability. And, and, and I don't really know what the incentive is to play Montrez Harrell for big minutes right now. People might have interest to try and get, get on that wave as it builds, but I'm just, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's really going to help you. Their closing lineup last game was, I had it pulled up here. Here we go. So the closing lineup last game was Marcus Morris, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Reggie Jackson, and Lou Williams. Now that could be different if Porzingis is on the floor, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Avica Zubats. It wasn't Montrez Howell. They had no real bigs out there. And it just kind of shows you that Doc Rivers may have thrown his hands up and said, shit, I guess I have to throw Reggie Jackson out there to close this game out with Lou Williams. Like that, that, Obviously Lou's going to close it, but I'm not sure that's the lineup he would have envisioned working out for him back in, back in March or back in, you know, whenever, when they're going into a series. Yeah. I mean, like they have Shamit, but it, it's crazy to think that Lou Williams like wasn't your worst defender on the court in a in yep. a crucial moment in a playoff game that swung the series at least for right now. It really is. Sal, final thoughts. We'll wrap it up with this: Denver and Utah. You said you've got Utah winning this game. Do you have them covering? They're laying three points here against Denver. Yeah, I'll have the I'll have them covering right now. Again, I, I hope they win. I want these games to continue to go on, but um, it seemed like it took it took everything out of Donovan Mitchell too, but it took everything out of the two stars right now in Jokic and Murray. And they, they, it's, it wasn't as close as that three point spread seems. So yeah, I'll take the points and have the series ending today. All right. Um, I'm going to take the points with Denver. I I think it's a pivotal game and you're going to get as many minutes out of them as possible. I think Michael Malone's a good enough coach to make some adjustments here. And I don't see Utah's three point percentage being as sustainable as being sustainable like this, no matter how bad Denver's been. Dallas and the LA Clippers. Clippers laying seven and seven points against Dallas. Uh, I don't really know if that suggests Porzingis is going to be out, but I kind of feel like it does. It, it also suggests that you know when Vegas sets a line like this, and when you have sharps betting on it, that they're probably not expecting Paul George to stay this bad forever, or Marcus Morris to stay this bad forever. Because if you've looked at the first four games. A line like this in a neutral uh, venue should probably be two and a half or three points if you're just looking at the results, right? And you're just right. looking at the results of the game, but not why the results became that way. Seven points is is a lot, but I actually understand why it's like that because the Clippers could be playing way better than they have. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the Clippers here too, um, too and just lay the what seven and a half points right now, seven, seven in some points, spots. Yeah. Yeah, it almost feels like the wrong move, which normally means you're making the right move when it comes to betting public lines. For sure. Yeah. How about the totals? I haven't looked into them much. 219 and a half and 235. Um, do, do you think this crawling pace with the Jazz, Utah, Jazz and Denver game is is going to kind of outweigh the terrible defenses? Or do you do you expect to continue to see horrible defense? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the over. I think they're pushing tempo, especially in transition, a lot more. Um, both teams are scoring, like, at will in transition right now. Like, I don't remember the exact offensive efficiency in transition. Denver's actually better right now than Utah, but they're both at, like, the best in the playoffs against each other. So I think that's a pretty big metric to look at. If I was to lean a spot, I haven't looked at the totals much either. Um, if I was to lean a spot, I would lean the over on it still. Yeah, I hear you. 235 on Dallas and the Clippers is just one that I probably don't want to touch. Uh, what about yeah, you? I hope I hope it gets there for fantasy purposes. But uh, if I had a lean on it, it might it might be directly influenced what happens with Porzingis here. Um, if I had a lean on it, I would probably lean under, but no strong stance. Hey, if you guys uh, have yet to subscribe and hit that notification bell, do it. Uh, no doubt, it will help you understand one thing: that we're always going live for all sports. Uh, whenever you want to watch DFS content, whenever you want to get some quick hitting information, you can tune in, you can tune out, you can do it while you're working, you can put it on while you're cleaning the house or or mowing the lawn. Uh, check it out, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and hit that thumbs up before you go. It helps us out a lot combating that YouTube algorithm. Uh, it helps us keep getting eyes on this so we can continue to do free content here uh, at awesomemode.com. Appreciate you hanging out as always. And before you go, Follow Sal on Twitter at Salvetri DFS if you haven't done so yet. Myself at Lofty underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D. 
you don't have Twitter for basketball and for sports and for football, it's essential, man, for DFS. Like it is, and, and even for sports betting, I have alerts set up to my phone when players are are out, and you can jump in on these lines before they get pulled off the board, and then they come back and they swing by three or four or five points. Uh, get it? Check it out. Follow us for our analysis conversation. We're always willing to go back and forth with you guys as well. Appreciate you. We'll see you back here later today for the NBA Live Before Lock Show. Adam Sharon, myself. Stick around 11 and o'clock. MLB Strategy Show coming out right here. <laughs>